All right. Starting Tuesday, fully vaccinated travelers entering Canada through the uh, Toronto Pearson International Airport and our other three main airports once again will be subjected to that mandatory random COVID-19 testing. This time it's going to be offsite. Here to talk about it, Duncan D., former Air Canada Chief Operating Officer. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kelly. So, uh, Duncan, these are going to be conducted off-site so that it won't disrupt service at the airports. Uh, individuals basically, this time around, uh, customs uh, agents will not have to uh, place a little sticker to let them know they're, they've are they been selected for random testing, which didn't go so well anyways on their passports. A lot of people didn't know what that meant. Apparently, you're just going to be randomly selected via the, I believe it's the Arrive Can app, and you'll get an email 15 minutes after passing through customs. Do, do you have any problems on on what this uh, new random test is going to look like as it returns? Well, really, it isn't a much of a change from what we've seen in the past, Kelly. As you mentioned, uh, the sticker really is going to be now replaced by an email. And the sticker really wasn't for the traveler, but was for the folks um, controlling the exit points to uh, direct the traveler to the testing location for their random test. So uh, customs officers will still be interviewing travelers. They'll still be determining whether they are eligible for the random test. And the process just shifts now to a point outside the airport where the traveler gets an email and they have to make a booking at a clinic, a pharmacy, or a home test to complete random test. So this does not change the fact that airports have said that each traveler is now taking four times longer to inspect than they were before the pandemic started. So travelers who were experiencing delays because of the little stickers on their passports are now going to still experience delays because it's now an email that they're getting. I guess the added complexity here is many travelers, I know I do, maybe you do as well, uh, Kelly, when you're in PEI next week, you put an away message on your email um, so, you know, when you're traveling, going on a vacation, the last thing you're doing is checking your emails, at least checking them regularly. So yeah. if travelers are only informed about this by email, it's going to be a little bit messy as to how this actually happens. Yeah, I was thinking that myself. I was thinking, okay, well, you get an email 15 minutes after you arrive. Uh, the odds are not high that you're going to be looking at your phone. Odds are you're going to be thinking, I am just so tired. I want to get to my destination because we know it's taking a lot more time to get through airports. They really are just uh, basically supposed to be a large hallway to your destination. Uh, now they're becoming a stopover point, which is really infuriating. The Arrive Can app, apparently the feds are planning on making this a permanent uh, situation. Before I get to that, I should ask you one more question. Uh, based on uh, the Fed statement of moving testing outside of airports, they say it'll support travelers arriving by air uh, while still um, being able to monitor and quickly respond to new variants of concern and changes to the epidemiological situation. Oh, do we not at this point in time have better ways of keeping track of the epidemiological situation? Because originally, when we started to random test, it was so we could keep COVID out of Canada. We know it's here. We know it can mutate here, the strains that we have, and it is mutating here. So is this not kind of moot, still doing the random test? Kelly, I think that's exactly it. You know, uh, Canada is the one of the few countries um, that uh, we compare ourselves to that still does random testing. The U.S. doesn't do it. The U.K. 
um, uh, European Union countries don't do it. And so the fact that they're trying to justify this now um, when they originally said, well, this was to keep new variants out, so no longer it's no longer about keeping variants out because that was really um, wasn't working. Uh, they're now saying it's to identify new variants. As, as you point out, there are many ways new variants can be identified, including uh, testing of wastewater. And, um, you know, the, the last thing countries are doing now to identify new variants is random testing of international travelers at airports. And the other bizarre thing about this is we haven't been doing this now for about five weeks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we were worried that much about uh, identifying new variants, well, we, we haven't done it for five weeks. We also exempt travelers who are connecting. So if you're traveling through Pearson or Montreal, Vancouver or Calgary, and you're connecting to another point, you're co totally exempt from the testing. So, you know, if, if, if this is such an important tool, uh, they've certainly left a lot of holes in the, in, in the toolbox. Do you think this has anything to do with, because I know we are going to be talking with uh, Ms. Rempel coming up, do you think it has anything to do with the fact that the feds have already signed some contracts and they want to fulfill the contract to the random testing uh, companies? You know, it's really hard to say, and uh, Michelle Rempel is probably the best person to answer that question, as she's been following that issue so closely mm -hmm. uh, in Parliament for quite some time now. So she's a great guest to ask that question of uh, too. But, you know, the thing that's quite suspicious is that despite the fact that, you know, the testing is, is has has now moved off site, they still want us to use these these private providers um, on uh, the uh, random testing. And so really, it, it does become a question of what do the contracts say? Right. And we'll find that out with uh, with uh, Miss Rempel, because we'll we'll have her on the show at 10 o'clock. So I'll leave that uh, to her, the Arrive Can app, you have to fill it out within 72 hours prior prior to a landing in Canada. Um, there are a lot of people that say this Arrive, Arrive Can app is continuing to slow things down. Is it time to ditch it, in your opinion? Look, it's time to ditch it. And the fact that the federal government wants to continue it um, indefinitely it should be a concern to Canadians. You know, this is an app that originally was supposed to be voluntary, now it, then it became mandatory, and now it's asking all sorts of personal health questions. You know, for for listeners in the Toronto area, you're you know they're they're well aware that an international travel app that's only available in English, French, and Spanish makes no sense. You know, uh, their friends and family that visit Canada during the summer don't necessarily speak English, French, or Spanish as their first language. And asking them personal medical questions about vaccine status, type of vaccine, when they got their last dose, those things are, you know, intimidating enough uh, being asked in their own language, let alone in a language they don't speak fluently. Mm. Okay. Um, I want to turn to Air Canada, if I could, for a second. I was reading this story, and perhaps you saw it. it was, CBC was focusing on a man from BC uh, originally. He now uh, he was flying from Toronto to Hartford, Connecticut. His Air Canada flight had been delayed early this month. Uh, they said first the delay was for unseen maintenance issues. Then that afternoon, the reasons changed to staffing constraints or health and safety issues. Three days later, Air Canada says he doesn't qualify for compensation because his flight was canceled instead of delayed um, due to a labor dispute that was outside the airline's control. Um, he's saying this explanation makes no sense. Now, under the federal regulations, airlines must compensate passengers up to $1,000 for flight delays of three hours or more. Do we still have a problem when it comes to customer rights 
and uh, airlines and compensations, in your opinion? Look, um, I, I can't speak, obviously, to the specific case because I'm not very familiar with it. But the issue that you raise is one that has been addressed many, many times at the Canadian Transportation Agency, uh, which is the agency in Canada that's responsible for passenger protection. So coming this fall, in fact, um, airlines will no longer, um, will, will actually have to start uh, compensating travelers for even cancellations which are outside the airline's control. So that's something that should be resolved uh, by the fall. Um, mm. In terms of uh, the specific issues where, you know, uh, airlines are citing um, matters outside their control and having to compensate travelers, the situation we've faced in Canada for about three months now are, you know, delays that are being caused. Yes, the airlines are part of those delays because they're operating the aircraft and obviously they've sold the tickets to the travelers. But the delays that we've seen have been largely caused by government agencies. And so, you know, the fact that airlines are being forced to compensate for them, you know, that leaves a little bit of wiggle room for airlines to say, okay, well, it wasn't us, it was customs, or it wasn't us, and it was security. Um, but, you know, that sh- much of that should be resolved uh, by the time uh, September rolls around when the new regulations come into play. You know, you mentioned that there's uh, several different th- factors at play on why our airports are just chaotic right now. And, ca- and, and it's not just Pearson. We, we know that it, it looks just, uh, it's a mess in, in London at Heathrow. But it, one of the people that I had on the show that was like talking about who is the cause of the problem, because is it Ottawa? Is it the airlines? Um, said basically a very easy fix for airlines to get their staffing because their staffing is low back up to speed is to take money from canceling flights. And instead of canceling flights and delaying flights, save that money, spend it on the staff. How much does it cost to, can- to cancel a-, a flight? How much does an airline incur if they say your flight's canceled? What, what, just like a guesstimation, what are you on the hook for? Can you give us any kind of indication? Because you were the CEO of Air Canada at one time. Look, it's really difficult to, to give a guesstimate um, because whenever you cancel flights, depending on the reason, you're refunding travelers. So, I mean, the cost, uh, you know, let's say for a, a flight with 100 seats where the average fare is $150, just for round numbers sake, you multiply that um, and you get what it costs just from the revenue loss perspective. And then you've got the, the, the staffing costs, which obviously when, they're, when the flight is canceled, you still have to pay the staff, um, you, you know, um, and the uh, airport charges, if the aircraft is already at the airport, you're pay, paying those fees. So, you know, can, canceling a single flight costs several thousand just, you know, from a simple um, multiplication exercise. Mm-hmm. But the one point I want to make based on that comment, uh, Kelly, and that comment from your previous guest um, is, is that in, in the case of um, uh, adding more staff, one of the things we've seen as a big bottleneck in Canada is every airline staff that works at the airport requires a security badge. And the delays right now um, from Transport mm-hmm. Canada to issue these security badge, these security badges can run into the months. Pilots, for example, have been waiting upwards of a year or more to get their medical clearances from Transport Canada. So even if airlines could bring in more staff than they already have, getting them through the door and getting them actually working um, is taking much longer than it used to That's because of shameful. the delays. Why is yeah, that? We- are they are they understaffed? Well, it's really hard to say because, you know, this is the same thing we're seeing at the passport office, which I know um, you're quite familiar with, Mm -hmm. you know, where you've got travelers camping out and um, waiting for days uh, just to be able to not get a passport, but 
you know, submit their passport application. It looks same- like it looks like the occupation now. Like we're getting <laughs> to the point where honestly, people have hot tubs outside their lineup. Exactly. And what's happening at so the passport office is a very public place. The 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 airport security badge office where the 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 airline employees are having to camp out for their security badges is not something that people see, but it's still happening. You know, there was a story yesterday I heard from a pilot. They submitted their uh, medical clearance with Transport Canada for approval last October, and they're still waiting for word from Transport Canada as to where their the status of their application until that fit to fly clearance is received from Transport Canada, they can't operate the aircraft, Come even on. though they're commercial. Yes. That's Ridiculous. I, I can't be yeah. the only one that's outraged by that. You know, I'm sure you have more stories to share. I'd love to have you back sometime. Oh, I'd love to be back anytime, Kelly. All right. Because I think we could continue going here. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, and I would love to uh, to uh, get you to, you know, expose some more of those problems at the airport, because I think the more we know, Uh, the quicker we can get things fixed, hopefully. Duncan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. 